0: Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. No matter what we face in this life, God, whether good or bad, the challenging circumstances, or, God, where we feel like we are being very blessed in certain moments, God, we know that you are faithful to us. We trust you. We trust your faithfulness. And, God, today we celebrate that. We learn about that. And we just thank you for it. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are talking about the fruit of the spirit still, and we are in this characteristic of God called the faithfulness of God love is uh, the spirit uh, of God is love and joy and peace and goodness and faithfulness and today we 're going to talk about what it means to be faithful and i 'm guessing that if you were going to write out on a maybe just a sheet of paper the characteristics that you least like about. A person or about people, it would have something to do with a lack of faithfulness. You might write dishonesty, disloyalty, inconsistency, unreliability, even strong words like liar, but these are the words we would use and we say, no, that's not the kind of person I want to hang out with. But if you were to write words like stable, secure, reliable, someone who is consistent, those would become the kind of words that we like to elevate and talk about uh, when we talk about somebody who is so steadfast, somebody that we admire. And I know that today it seems like faithfulness is hard to find, but it's not just today. In the Bible, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, Solomon says, "...many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one that is really faithful?" In other words, it's an endangered species. It's hard to find somebody who's very faithful. And today, it seems like in our culture, it's more and more difficult to find somebody who's been at the same company for years and years, or a company that has been uh, faithful to their employee for years and years. Or or it's harder to find somebody who's been married 30, 40, 50 years, or it's harder to find somebody who's had a lifelong uh, friend. And the word "faithful" in the Bible, in the Old Testament, really did mean uh, trustworthy, steadfast, sure, honest, secure, rock solid. In the New Testament, the word uh, in the Greek means that they are really true; that they are its reality. And so, when you put those two ideas together, you get this concept of the faithfulness of God—that He is completely, authentically, totally reliable and trustworthy. And all the, through the scripture, this is a word that is used to describe the character of our God, that He is steadfast, that He is faithful. He's the real deal. You can trust in Him. So let me give you a key truth as we start today, and that is that faithfulness is rooted in the believability of God. We all want to say, yes, I believe in God. I believe that there is a God. I believe He created us. I believe He sustains us. But what we're talking about today is that Not just that I believe in God as an entity, but I believe in the believability of God. I believe that He is faithful. I believe that He is trustworthy. I know that I can stand on His promises through all my life, through all my generations, through all of these times. I can see that God has been faithful. And even though I don't always understand God's plan, I don't always get where He's going, in the end of the day, when I look back on it, I go, yep, God was faithful, And I trust in the faithfulness of God. So faithfulness is rooted in our belief in the believability of God, that he is trustworthy. David, the psalmist, writes, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness known to all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself, that God was faithful well before earth. He was faithful in the heavens above. God was already faithful. It is in His character. It is he, who He is. And that's good news. He is infinitely faithful. He is eternally faithful. He is enduringly faithful. And if God is that way, then we're to be faithful too. Galatians chapter 2 or five verse 22 says, "The fruit of the spirit." In other words, what's born out of the spirit in your life is love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And like all the rest of the ones that we've been talking about, this is not gonna happen out of white-knuckle determination. It's not gonna happen just because you say, hey, I wanna be more faithful. It's not gonna happen just because you've decided it to be so. It's gonna happen because you have connected to a faithful God. It's gonna happen because the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your life, and the more closely associated you are to a faithful God, the more you're gonna resemble His faithfulness in your own life so what I want to do today is just kind of talk to you about uh, what does it mean to be faithful uh, as followers of Christ? And I'm going to give you three big ideas about what does it mean to be faithful. And the first one is that faithfulness is persisting even when I want to quit. Faithfulness means staying in there even when I want to quit. Now, I think one of the number one qualities of excellent athletes is not talent. Talent will get you so far, for sure. When you look at Olympic athletes or you look at professional athletes, you say, "Well, how did you get where you uh, got?" and they would say, "Out of hard work. I mean, I was persistent. I stayed in the game. Uh, no matter what happened, even when I felt like quitting, I kept pressing on. I stayed in. I put the hard work in. I was persistent." Ask a master musician how they got to where they are—it wouldn't just be natural talent. It would be that they were practiced, that they spent thousands of hours staying in there to be proficient at their music. Faithfulness is persisting even when you don't feel like it. Uh, I've I've sort of fallen into a trend over the last six or seven months of doing. CrossFit competitions. I don't know how, it just has happened that way, and I have gone one competition to another. Those who have kind of observed me in those competition settings know that at some point in that competition... I'm going to look like I'm dead. I mean, it's just a reality. Okay, let's just be honest. And, and usually, Paul usually takes a picture of me in about that moment, actually. I always get a beautiful picture of me where I'm completely laid out, and it looks like they might have to call the paramedics. And, uh, and, and a few months ago, Kenny and I were in a competition together, and It was a really hard competition, and and there was a moment where we had a little break, and I was literally sitting against the wall after a very hard portion of the competition, and Kenny told me later, he looked at me and was like, I just know that's the moment where I'm not gonna say anything. There's no speech needed in this moment. He doesn't need motivation. He just needs to be completely left alone, and uh, that was true. He read me totally right. Don't talk to me, don't touch me, and stay away from me, and when the clock hits zero, I'll be back in the game, okay? Don't worry about that. And one thing that is deep embedded in my heart, literally, whether it be CrossFit or other things, is that I'll be loyal to that team, that when it comes my moment, I'll be back in, even though everything in me says, oh man, I could literally die in this moment. I I might actually need to have like, you know, in order to come back here in a minute. But but that, that is something that, that I think that successful people in any venture are those who just say, I don't feel like it right now, but I'm just going to keep going. And so some of you today might say, you know what? I don't feel like today being nice to people. I kind of feel like a, being a grump. I just want to be a grouch today. Or or today, I don't feel like serving my wife. Or I don't feel like serving my husband. Or I don't feel like helping my kids out today. I don't, I don't feel like talking to you. I'd rather just go play golf. Some of you have felt that way. I don't feel like showing up to work today. I don't feel like doing my school lessons. And what I've learned is when you don't feel like it is exactly the time when you should be doing it. And you say, well, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praying. That's exactly when you need to do it. And those who are successful are persistent in the moments where you feel like, I just want to quit. I just want to be done. I don't have anything left. There is a commitment factor at play there. And I know that's the opposite of our culture. Our culture says, if it doesn't feel good, just stop doing it. Our culture says, if you don't want to do it, just quit. But I've learned that emotions come and go, but commitments and persistence, that's rock solid. That's steadfast. Someone once said that successful people are simply ordinary people who do what the average person doesn't feel like doing. Successful people are simply ordinary people who do what the average person doesn't feel like doing. That's a pretty good definition. And some of you today, you're in that situation. You are ready to give up on your marriage on your, or on, your, uh, on a relationship, maybe boyfriend or girlfriend? Maybe you want to give up on school, it's just too hard. Maybe you're ready to throw in your towel and Uh, One of your children that is struggling. Um, Maybe you've given up on the idea of, I want to have children because it's too hard. Some of you think your finances are hopeless or your health situation is challenging and, and you just want to quit. And what I would say is just allow a faithful God to allow you to continue to be persistent. To do what James writes in James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And I have learned that when you're in those pressure situations, when you feel like quitting, when you feel like throwing in the towel, that is when the Holy Spirit does some of his best work in your life. He will give you that small voice that says, keep going, stay faithful, don't quit, just keep at it. And when you do, God is going to do something great in your life. So faithfulness is persisting even when I want to quit. And that is true all the way to the end of our life. Uh, Jesus one time said in Revelation, he said that those who are faithful even to the point of death will receive a crown of life. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished the race. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, but not only to me, to all those who long for his appearing. Faithfulness is persisting even when I don't feel like it, staying in it all the way to the very end. The second thing I would say is faithfulness is keeping my promises even when I feel like bailing on them. It means keeping my promises. There's an honesty component to faithfulness. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does God, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? In other words, we're imperfect. Every person in here is imperfect. Every person in here has broken promises. Every person in here at some point has been unreliable. But God says, if you want to be faithful, you have to be trustworthy. You have to keep your promises David echoed that in Psalm 145 where he said, The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises, faithful in all he does. Any of you guys ever uh, built a house? You ever work with some construction guys? Nothing against construction guys, but anybody ever done that? And you ever been told, hey, I'll be there on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. And you're like, I'm here Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and you aren't here. Did I get it wrong? Did you get it wrong? What happened? Hey, and the first message you give is, did we miscommunicate or what? And then it's another day. And it's like, okay, now, hey, listen, I'm following up with you. you. didn't show up yesterday. I'm trying to figure out. Listen, I'll give you a range. I'll be there between like, I don't know, 6 o'clock and like 6A and 6P three days from now. And you're like, what? what, what how can we do this? And, and I just am determined. I think, here's the deal. I want to give you guys a business idea. Those of you who want to go to construction, just create a slogan that says, just put it on your truck. We show up. That's it. Just put it on your truck right now. We show up. And if you put that, you're going to be a multimillionaire. We show up. I don't, do you know how to do it? No, I don't know how to do it, but I show up on time. Great, you're in. I, I, I like it. That's all we need. I just think that should be a theme for all of us. Do you show up? Do you keep your promises? When you say, hey, I'm going to do this, you follow through on that. Are you trustworthy? Gary Smalley, in his excellent little book called The Hidden Value of a Man, writes of a 40-year-old guy during a counseling session that told him about an event that happened 28 years before that was still tearing him up. Listen to what this guy wrote. He said, I was just 12 when my Boy Scout troop planned a father-son camp out. I was thrilled and could hardly wait to rush home and give my father all the information. I wanted so much to show him all the things I learned in scouting. I was so proud that he'd go with me. Well, then the Friday of the camp out came and I had all my gear out on the porch ready to stuff in his car the moment he arrived. We were to meet at a local school at 5 p.m. and carpooled to the, to the campground, but my, ba- my dad didn't get home till 7. I was frantic, but he explained how things had gone wrong at work, and he told me, don't worry, we could still get up first thing in the morning and join the others. After all, we had a map. Well, I was disappointed, of course, but I decided to make the best of it. First thing in the morning, I was up early. I had everything in his car uh, while it was uh, just getting light and ready for us to catch up with my friends and their fathers at the campground. He said we'd leave around seven AM and I was ready a half hour before that, but he never got home until nine or he never woke up until nine thirty. And when he saw me standing out in front with all my camping gear, he finally explained that he had a bad back and couldn't sleep on the ground. He hoped I would understand that I'd be a big boy about it but could I please get my things out of his car because he had several commitments he had to keep. Just about the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was go to that car, take out my sleeping bag, cooking stove, pup tent, and supplies. And then while I was putting my stuff away and he thought I was out of sight, I watched my dad walk out of the garage, sling his golf clubs over his shoulder, throw them in the trunk and drive away to keep his commitment. Friends, how how do you recalibrate a little boy's heart after a broken promise like that? So I want every dad and mom and all of us in this room to really reflect on this scripture verse in Proverbs 20 verse 7 that says, the righteous walk in integrity. And that just means that we keep our promises, that we are faithful to what we say we're going to do. Happier are the children who follow them. Faithfulness means you keep your promise. Your word is good. Your yes is yes. Your no is no. And friends, the only way I know to get better at doing that is to get closer in your relationship with a faithful God because we're going to blow it. We're going to make mistakes. But the closer we get to him, the more faithful we can become. And the last thing I would say is that faithfulness is stepping out in trust even when I can't see it. And this is a little different idea because we've talked about faithfulness is keeping your promises. Faithfulness is staying in there. But there's also this, I'm going to trust God for the big and the little things in my life. When I take a step of faith, I want to know that God is there, and God may be asking me to take a step of faith in my career, with my house, with my family, with my relationships, in my finances. What is it, God, that you're asking me to do when it comes to this? You guys remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? If you've seen that movie, uh, you know the clip that I'm talking about at the end of the movie. He's on the pursuit of the Holy Grail. No, not Monty Python. He's on the pursuit of the Holy Grail, and he's standing on this cliff, and you remember the scene, Indiana Jones is standing on the edge of this cliff, and he needs to get to the other side, but he can't see it because there's this huge chasm there, and his father, Sean Connery, is lying there, and he's bleeding, and he says, Indy, step out, and as soon as he steps out, he said, said, as soon as you step out, a bridge will be there, and he's going, yeah, right, I'm not stepping out. I can't see this, and uh, I'm definitely not going to do that. And his dad's like, just trust me, a bridge will be there. And you remember the scene how Indiana Jones is there, and he puts his foot up, and he sets it down. And the reality was that bridge was there the whole time. He just couldn't see it. And why did he do it? Because his father said, take a step. And friends, I'm learning to live my life in a way where the heavenly father says, step out, and I want to trust him enough to step out. And some of you want all the answers. You want to look at the pros and the cons, the ins and the outs, and that stuff is not bad, but at some point you have to say, God, this is the direction that I see that you're leading, and I want to step out into that. I want to, I want to take a step of faith. I want to take a leap of faith into your promises. And some of you today are thinking, what is the step that God wants me to step out into? I read in uh, USA Today a few years ago about Stephen Trotter and Lisa Harris couple of daredevils who decided that they would go over niagara falls in a barrel as a couple and uh kind of funny they i'm like how do they how are they gonna do that they actually made their barrel out of kevlar um they had oxygen tanks and uh i, I mean i guess they were kind of like let's hey date night you know this will be fun and uh Let's go over Niagara Falls. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, you know how crazy it is. The waters just rushing over the side, and uh, and they decided, hey, let's let's do this. And so I'm reading this article with fascination. I'm thinking, okay, uh, how are they going to pull this off? And in fact, once they get in the barrel, how are they going to get in the water? Is my other thought, right? I mean, how are they going to get in there? They're going to get in there together and just be like, okay, scooch, okay, scooch. You know, whatever is going to roll. I mean, how are they going to flip themselves in there? And, and uh, anyway, Trotter's brother and some other friends, can you imagine having that job? Picked up the barrel and tossed it in there. I mean, that was their job. That's the job I want, you know? And uh, they tossed them in there, and, and they went down uh, Niagara Falls. And the article said that they landed 15 seconds later. 15 seconds. And I just thought about that 15 seconds. How How crazy and exhilarating would that be in a barrel to go over Niagara Falls for 15 seconds? I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying they did it, and it would be pretty exhilarating. Now, our God is so much more uh, reliable and dependable than an unreliable Niagara Falls, and you could go anywhere in that barrel. But there is something inside of me that just wants to say, I would just love to throw myself into the river river of God's wisdom. And wherever its mighty flow wants to take me, Lord, let it be so. And I want to live my life like that, where it's like, God, I just want to take that step. I want, I want to be in your flow. Wherever the Holy Spirit guides, wherever you lead, that kind of exhilarating life is lived when you take those steps of faith, when you literally don't know what's going to happen ahead. You're just trusting in a faithful God. I'm not talking about stupidity here. I'm not talking about just, just where you're saying, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm saying that you feel led, that you have been directed by God in some area of your life. You feel this prodding by God in some area. And you're saying, I don't know, God, if I want to do that or if I can do that. And God's saying, that's where you need to trust me. That's where you need to trust me. If anybody ever wants to know, how do you please God? The Bible is very clear in this. There's one way to please God, and that is verse 7 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. It's through faith. It says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then in chapter 7 of Hebrews, he goes, or chapter 11, he goes through, all these individuals, men and women who had faith in God, who did not understand what was going to happen in their next step, but they still took that step. And when they did, and when they went into that river, God just allowed that river to take them in a way that would direct them and lead them and guide them to a greater depth of relationship with him. And he goes to the story of Noah, and he says, Noah, uh, by faith, built a ship in the middle of dry land, Think about that. The Bible says it had never even rained before, and yet Noah's going out there telling all of his friends and neighbors, hey, listen, it's going to rain. Trust me. They're like, it's never happened before. I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, listen, a whole lot of water is going to come down from heaven, and I'm building this huge boat. What's a boat? I don't even know, but here we go. And he's building a boat, and can you imagine that? The fear and the trepidation, and yet God said so. And Noah then was in the barrel and in the ark. And later, in Verse 27 of chapter 11, it says that Moses turned his heel on Egypt and he was indifferent to the kings, to the Pharaoh's blind rage. And he ended up saying, let my people go, do whatever you want with me, but I'm trusting a faithful God. And he came to the edge of the sea and what is he going to do? And God's like, just trust me. Raise your staff, and he rose his staff, and the sea parted, and he walked through on dry ground. That required faith. And over and over in the Bible, over a thousand different commands in the Bible that when you read them, you think, I can't do that. I don't know how. How is that going to happen? It seems pretty unreasonable or unrealistic. But, guys, listen, that is where you learn to develop faith. It said that Noah had an intimate relationship with God. Why? Because he trusted him. Moses was one who, despite his failings and despite his fears, overcame them, trusted in a faithful God. And friends, let me just tell you something. I don't want to live any other way. And I know it takes a lot of effort and I know it takes a lot of work. But when you live in a trusting way, it just really causes your faith to grow all the time. I was talking to my, my brother Mark the other day. They've replaced their uh, living room furniture. I said, where did you get it? He said, lazy boy. I thought to myself, that's an interesting but probably appropriate phrase for like a couch and a recliner. Lazy boy. He's, I mean, not him, but people can be lazy. And they want to be a lazy boy. It's not worker boy. It's not atta boy. It's not way to go boy. It's not get up boy. It's lazy boy. Just sit in there and just shrink and shrivel up. And you can just be lazy all day long. And... Uh, And there are people who live like that, not Mark, but there are people who live like that. And I've just learned, I don't want to live like that. I I want to live in a way that says at today and forever, the rest of my life, I want to take that journey with God, that journey of faith. Live your life with faithfulness. Live your life with taking those moments where you say, God, I trust you. And some of you today need to trust him with a first-time relationship with him. You need to trust Him by saying, I need to make sure that I'm right with God. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I'm going to take a step of faith. Some of you need to take a step of faith by being baptized and say, I know I'm not perfect, but I trust a God who is. And you need to make that step. Some of you are thinking about a career change. Some of you are thinking about uh, a relationship that you're dealing with and whether or not you should stay in it or not. And I'm just saying that we serve a faithful God. Stay persistent. When life is tough, keep trusting. When life is difficult, keep walking toward God. Years ago, my dad uh, was leading Mason Christian Village over here, and he had a professor from Cincinnati Christian University that was then now retired but lived at the home, a very respected uh, man. And my dad asked him one time, he said, Professor, how do we know the will of God? Everybody wants to know that. How do we know the will of God? And this wise professor just paused for a moment and he said, Don, I've learned that if you want to know the will of God, you just have to set your face toward God and walk his direction. And I thought that was such a good idea that when you just set your face toward God, you do the things that God wants you to do, and you walk in that direction, what happens is God lights your path. And that's what Psalm tells us: that his word is like a lamp to our feet. It's not a it's not a beam, it's not a a, a glowing light that like overshadows everything. It just simply the Bible says lights your step. And I think the reason it does that is because it requires you to take another step of faith and then he lights that next step and then he takes you another step of faith and then he lights that next step. And guys, if you knew what 10 steps were away from you, it wouldn't be called faith and you would never grow. So where is it in your life that you need to say, I need to take a step of faith? Or where is it in your life that says, you know what, I need to keep this promise. Or you know what, I need to stay in it. It's important for me to get up off the mat and keep fighting. God, we just pray today for uh, just, and thank you just for your faithfulness to us and how you're trustworthy, reliable. We're not going to get this one right just by sheer effort. We're going to get it right because we're connected to a faithful God. And so God, today I pray that we would be that kind of uh, people, that we would be trustworthy, reliable, promise keepers. And God, I pray that when it comes to these moments where we step out, we, do, we are willing to take that step of faith. We're willing to literally be um, immersed in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And that, God, that we're willing to trust you with our lives. And so, God, we pray that as we do that, that you would direct our steps. And we are completely trusting that as you do that, it won't be easy. You never promised that. But in that, we would be developed and that our faith would be um, made whole and new. And so, God, we pray for that today. For all those who are struggling today, for the different challenges that are brought into this room, God, I pray that your peace that passes understanding would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We pray this in your name.